Yeah, it, it was always going to be the case, right? Because when there is inconsistencies in the messaging of government, even in how their responses to different events are, it is always going to elicit the kind of responses as what we've heard in the voice notes. So we are going to turn our attention now to the women's report that has recently been published by Stellenbosch University Business School. And it is taking a look at um, the inclusion of women in the workplace. Abigail Butcher is a contributor to the Women's Report and Employment Associate at Clive Decker Hofmeyer. Abigail, good morning to you. Thanks for your time today. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Let's talk about this report and what it is that you had set out to do as you were conducting this research. So perhaps giving you a bit of context, um, at the moment, um, the Employment Equity Amendment Bill uh, was tabled before the National Assembly and was passed by the National Assembly on the 17th of November and now appears before a steering committee um, for consideration by the National Council of Provinces. So it is in the process or or even in the final steps of becoming um, an actual uh, law um, that's enforceable and an implementation will then begin. So what we were aiming to do with the report was really consider whether the proposed changes in the bill are going to benefit women in the workplace, um, and in particular with reference to black women who experience the least representation in workforces at the moment. Mm. One of the the things that we saw under COVID-19, of course, is that it was especially black women that were affected by not just the job losses, but even in the informal sector when the shutting down of businesses took place, uh, you know, vendors not being allowed to trade. It was black women that were mostly affected. What does this really say about the perception, the inclusion rather, of, of women and of black women in the workplace? So so there's a couple points to that. I think the first thing I'd like to point to is that women are expected to perform, still expected to perform quite domestic roles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we look at all of of the black women participating in various um, sectors of the economy. Um, A lot of women uh, were expected to be at home, doing homeschooling and and managing those types of things during the pandemic. And and that led to a significant job loss of women um, in COVID-19. But with black women in particular, so if we look at the stats, black women make up 40.7% of the economically active population in South Africa. And despite this, they're still outnumbered by their, by what their white counterparts, so white women at top and senior management levels. Because, as you said, their employment is heavily concentrated in semi-skilled and unskilled jobs. Um, and, and we say semi-skilled and unskilled in the sense that that's the category, not that, that the, the jobs that these women perform are, are not skilled and, and have their own you know, difficulties and integrities to them. Um, but, for example, domestic work makes up a large um, number um, you know, of, of representation of women in the workforce at the moment. Let's talk about this bill specifically and the extent to which it will be able to respond to this challenge. Interestingly, um, you know, you, you, part of what, you, what, what, what has been said in the statement is actually something that I've heard when it comes to projects targeting young people and the employment of young people, that South Africa 
generally needs economy that is growing because if we have a growing economy it will create more opportunities and this will include for the marginalized groups that uh, currently don't enjoy as much access to the workplace as they should. So when it comes to women, how do you see this um, Employment Equity Amendment Bill doing that? So, so you, you raise a very, very relevant point, and, and it's really the core argument that we make, is that in the absence of socioeconomic transformation, which means targeting unemployment and creating more employment opportunities for you know, all members of the economically active population, uh, we're not going to see the kind of transformative changes that we need. And, and I think that applies to, to women, issues of women, rep- female representation, issues of race. Um, and, and so in the report, we, we consider the, the case of Malaysia. So we take a look at gender equality across Malaysia, Australia, and South Africa. And in Malaysia, they didn't implement strict legislation. They focused on more on-the-ground socioeconomic um, upliftment, providing opportunities in the workforce. And, and what then ended up happening is that women you know, had more of an opportunity to participate. And so, so we make that argument to say that you know, in the absence of, of that socioeconomic change, the introduction of the strict legislation is, is really limited. Um, and I think the second point that ties into that is, is one of the amendments that's, that's introduced in the bill is that the minister has the discretion to implement sector-specific numerical targets for historically disadvantaged persons. So the key word there is discretion. Um, so the minister then decides which category of historically disadvantaged person is prioritized when setting those numerical targets. And there's very little guidance in the bill as to what the minister needs to consider and how that discretion needs to be utilised. And so it really depends if the minister uh, prioritises women and black women in particular in implementing those numerical targets. Mm. Uh, I want us to continue this conversation looking at how you know, setting these targets, uh, you know, what is the likely success rate of it and how are we going to ensure that business itself actually complies because that has been the big issue when you look at even something like, you know, the triple PEE policy and uh, some of the quotas that have been set around that, many have not been met despite the fact that it is government policy. We'll continue our conversation with Abigail Butcher. She is one of the contributors to the Women's Report that was issued earlier by Stellenbosch University Business School. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Kathy Motlatana on SAFM. We continue the conversation with Abigail Butcher and we're talking about the women's report that has been published by Stellenbosch University Business School. And it's really looking at what, you know, the Employment Equity Amendment Bill is likely to do for the employment of women in the economy across the board. Let's let's talk about this issue of perception before we come to uh, the, the targets that uh, are likely to be set and proposed uh, by the minister under this amendment bill. So this perception that the work that women do, that they get paid to do, is less important than the work that they do at home. So when they're occupying more domestic roles, how did you come to that finding? So 
coming to the finding was really based on a statistical analysis of the number of women that participate in the workforce. And the, the stats indicate that the participation, as I said, is mostly in semi-skilled, skilled or unskilled labor. <clears throat> it's not necessarily at top management or executive level. Um, and, and so that's how we came to that conclusion. Um, and then I think it really speaks to an age-old issue that from a um, societal perception level, um, and, and you know, we, we venture into this area quite carefully, but we say sometimes from a cultural perspective, from a religious perspective, women have always had a very set role, um, mm. culturally, religiously, within the home. Um, and, and that set role, it, it appears, is changing ever so slowly. And so what that, ha- what that creates is, is perceptions in workplaces what, that while women might be employed, they're given less opportunity to climb the ranks. They're given less opportunity to, you know, as we say, proverbially, have a seat at the boardroom table. Um, and, and that perception exists, you know, across various different sectors. Um, you know, perceptions that women, for example, in construction. It's only quite recently that, that female representation has increased in that area because of perceptions with regards to women's suitability to perform the role. Um, and so we see a very slow change in that perception. So, so coupled with what I was saying about the socioeconomic difficulties and then also um, a reluctance to comply with the Employment Equity Act as it stands at the moment, um, you know, we I think there's going to be some difficulties arising in seeing the kind of transformation that's envisioned by envisioned mm. by the introduction of the bill. And when you look at what the current challenges to the employment equity bill, what the current what the challenges to implementing it in its totality have been, do you think that the amendments deal directly or speak to those challenges? So I think one of the the most prevalent responses to the bill um, is by industry saying that uh, the government is making it more difficult for them to be profitable. Um, And they're saying that in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, to introduce more owners' provisions for compliance, uh, you know, is something that's going to cripple business. So interestingly, the bill makes provision for an amendment to the definition of a designated employer. So as the Employment Equity Act stands at the moment, um, companies that need to comply with the affirmative action measures that are in the Act are designated employers, which are defined as companies that employ over 50 employees or where they employ less than 50 employees where they meet an annual turnover threshold. So that's sector specific. Mm. It can range from 6 million to 75 million rand. But it's, it's, what that does there is that caters for SMEs that have greater participation in the economy but don't necessarily employ as many people. So what they've done in the bill is they, they're seeking to amend the definition of a designated employer. And what they've done is they've taken away that requirement of um, the annual turnover threshold. So any SME that's participating, or, or even you know medium enterprise that's participating in the economy that employs less than 50 people doesn't actually have to comply with the numerical targets. So interestingly, you know, they introduced the bill to say we want to target transformation, but at the same time, I think they're trying to appease industry, who's saying that the strict compliance is going to cripple business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to appease them and saying, well, for the smaller industries who are, are raising that concern, we're we're changing the definition. What this what this typically might mean, though, is that if many then medium enterprises that are currently complying with the Employment Equity Act 
no longer have to do so, which is it's, it's a bit of a step forward and a step back at the same time. The labor market, as we look at it in, in the country right now, and it's something that we started off uh, touching on, but I want us to, to go a bit deeper into it. Um, you have black women being underrepresented. The access to opportunities and to better paying jobs very much follows the pattern of some of the social inequality that we face as, as a country. Previously, what has prevented the department, at least, um, you know, fr from an outsider looking in, what has prevented the department from ensuring that, you know, even basic targets that had been previously set are met when it comes to pushing for this transformation? So that's an, an interesting question in the sense that I think the department has always had the prerogative to push that a bit forward. But from a legislative perspective, um, when you're complying with the Employment Equity Act um, and you're looking at the various um, designated groups that need to be employed in specific roles in order for you to be compliant, um, one needs to comply with, I mean, there's a debate about this, but national versus local um designated groups within the economically active population. Mm. So perhaps let me simplify that. You know, a company exists in a specific provincial or national context, and the national um, designations are obviously countrywide, but the provincial differ quite significantly. Um, and so I think what we see there is, is that there isn't necessarily a blanket approach to prioritizing black women, but it's more provincially specific or and, and that compliance is perhaps what's what's caused the issue. I mean, if we look at it at the moment, there's an unemployment statistic, 41% um, of black women in this country are unemployed, which is the highest of any group. And so one, you know, I think you, you, you raise a core issue there. One does have to question why we've now come here. Um, and uh, Labor Minister Tula Sintati, um has, has said that in, in you know in the current circumstances as it stands um you know voluntary compliance or compliance to the extent required by the act at the moment just hasn't worked and so we need a more aggressive strategy so perhaps that's also the department recognizing that the, the system as it is at the moment is it, simply insufficient mm. and i think you know credit credit must be given there in the sense that there, this is a more aggressive legislative approach and so I think while it, it looks quite bleak in the sense that we don't know how the minister is going to exercise that discretion, so we can't definitively say that women are, are going to be given a leg up by this legislation, there is the counter-argument to say that perhaps this is uh, you know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel in the sense that it is being prioritized and it is an, an issue that's, that's getting some more awareness. Um, which I think is what we need from a, both a perception perspective as well as an actual on-the-ground tangible who is, is getting these jobs and, and how represented are women in the workplace. So, so perhaps there's, there's also the argument to be made there that this is a good thing. Okay. Um, and, you know, we, we wait and see. Okay. Abigail Butcher, contributor to the Women's Report and Employment Associate at Clive Decker Hofmeyer, thank you for your time today. It's just gone 11.30. Nomsa standing by with a look at your latest headlines.